Hey, welcome there, subscribers. Thank you for tuning in to another Sermon MP3 from Lawson Heights Alliance Church. This is January 16, 2022, and we are still in a series called All the Hope We Do Not Yet Fully See. It's a journey through Galatians 5. Today, the message is entitled Life by the Spirit. So may God bless you as you listen. I hope that this series uh, through Galatians 5 uh, has been enjoyable for you. I have, in fact, I hope it's been freeing for you more than even enjoyable. Funny, though, a few of you have asked me uh, where obedience plays through all of this uh, throughout the last couple of weeks. And uh, like at some point, there has to be a limit to how much grace we allow ourselves or others. At some point, there still has to be some obedience to the Lord, right? There has to be some accountability. And I just kept saying as people asked me, yep, in a couple of weeks, we'll get there. Well, we've gotten there. We're there today, okay? Up until today, I've spent a good deal of time defining and hopefully liberating our understanding of the grace of God and the freedom that it affords us as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. As Galatians 5 verse 1 started off, it said, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free, so stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. So what all does that mean? I hope you understand now what that means for us as believers. So why don't you say this after me? I am totally free in Christ. Not partially free. Not mostly free. But totally free in Christ. Amen to that, eh? That's right. You are totally free in Christ and there is no catch. No catch. And yet, deep down, even though we know that that is theologically an appropriate truth, we are still reluctant to fully believe it. Because sometimes, we still sin. Sometimes we wake up in the morning bothered by some sin that we cannot seem to shake. And it plagues us through the days. So today, we move beyond the theological, or actually probably a little bit more accurately, beyond the theoretical to the practical, to how do I live free every day. So I got a few points for you this morning, but before we get into those points, let me just open in prayer. Father, thank you so much that in Christ we can all say as brothers and sisters in the Lord, it is well with our souls. You have redeemed us, you have set us free. And today, Lord, I pray that as we move into your word that we would be able to move beyond the theoretical and, and into more the practical. And, and I know, because I know my own self, and I know probably all of us have, throughout our spiritual journey, we have, we have wrestled with sin. We've wrestled with our freedom. And today, Lord, I pray that you would liberate us fully so that we may understand how practically this works out in our day-to-day -day lives. Allow your word the freedom in our hearts to move and make change, bring about transformation, bring about the work in us that you want to accomplish. And Lord, we just say right off the bat, we trust you. Holy Spirit, we trust you. Teach us, we pray, in Christ's name. Well, three things I want you to come away with this morning so that you will understand the practical application of your freedom in Christ. Number one is this. You have to own 
your God-given calling to be free. You have to own your God-given calling to be free. Galatians 5, verse 13. We'll start off in 13 today. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. You know, throughout my pastoral ministry, I've been asked by a number of individuals to help them discern God's calling for their lives. And every time I'm asked that, I always sort of ask back, what calling are you referring to? Usually we talk about our calling as it is defined, say, by Webster's Dictionary, a strong inner impulse toward a particular course of action or vocation, usually vocation, especially when accompanied uh, by conviction of divine influence. That's sort of the Webster's definition of it all. When we talk about our calling, we're wanting to know what God wants us to do with the rest of our life. And this is really way more important to us, it seems, at our early 20s and into our late 20s than it is in our later years for some reason. What does God want from me for the rest of my life? Well, earlier in this book, Paul described the Christian life of the Galatians as the result of the call of God upon their life. He says in Galatians 1, verse 6 to 7, he says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you, listen to this, to live in the grace of Christ. Our calling is to live in the grace of Christ. But you are turning to a different gospel, he says to them, which is really no gospel at all. See, Paul sees God's call upon the Galatians and our lives to live in in the grace of Christ. And using words like deserting and turning to, the call of God seems to have a bit of a a sense of picking sides to it, doesn't it? In other words, God called them to to loyalty to himself and his gospel, but they were deserting their loyalty to live to a different gospel. Listen to what it, Paul, how Paul defines it. Paul uses calling in a similar way in 1 Corinthians 1-2. To the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people. So we are called to live by the grace of God and to be a holy people. Together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their, lords and, their Lord and ours. Again, called to be a holy people. And it seems to be a response of loyal participation in something grand. God calls us to participate in a lifestyle that differentiates us from the rest of the world, from the rest of the people in our cities. We profess loyalty to the Lord, underline the word Lord, Jesus, who we profess devotion to. Brings it in again in 2 Thessalonians this time, 2, 13 to 14. But we ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. Listen to this, verse 14. He called you to this through our gospel, that you might share in the glory of of the Lord Jesus Christ. You are also called to share in the glory of Christ. Again, God calls us to believe the truth of the gospel. It's an invitation to participate in the shared salvation experience of the saints. 
made binding by our loyalty to Jesus and to his gospel. And we could go through every one of Paul's letters and find the same emphasis regarding our calling. So I would propose that while we may want to know God's special, unique call upon our life with regard to vocation and future and all that, as individual believers, God's call is not that esoteric and not even all that individual. For sure, your loyalty to God and to the gospel of Christ is personal, but his call is never separated from the rest of the church. He calls you to participate in a shared salvation experience with the rest of the believers in your area. And he calls you to that. He calls you to own that God-given calling, to be part of a free people. Galatians 5.13, you, notice how he, he brings in the shared family participation. You, my brothers and sisters, are called to be free. We all have the same calling, don't we? We all have the same calling, and we are all called to the same thing. Here's a little rabbit trail from your pastor. It's because of this calling that pastors everywhere make such a big deal about Sunday participation and church membership. Because we're not called to live in isolation. You were called to participate in a shared shared salvation that involves a wholehearted loyalty of your whole life. You're partnered with a people. So I want to address you folks online probably more specifically. Some of you online are not able to be here because of age and, and health. And we get that. We share your frustration. We wish you could be here. And we will continue to pray for you in that way. But we understand why you can't be here. And we want you to know that we love you and miss you here among us. And I understand that some of you online have immune-compromised bodies or, or maybe there's been a close contact reported and you can't be here because of COVID and risk being open in the, in the public. We get that too. We really do. And, and if there's something more that we can do to help you feel connected to this shared participation, we'd love to partner with you in that and figure that out. And we do continue to pray for you. But you know what? If you're at home, and there's nothing wrong with your health. And, and, and you've, just, you've just been maybe using COVID as a bit of an excuse not to have to get up on Sunday mornings. Then I challenge you to review your calling in Christ. You have been called to participate in a shared salvation experience with the rest of the body of Christ. And you not being here robs you of that grace. And it robs us of that grace as well. And all of us, we all need to participate more in the shared calling that we have. We all know, we've heard sermon after sermon, and we've, we even believe it ourselves, that this is not a country club where you pay your dues and you show up when it's convenient. This gathering is not part, this, this gathering is now part of our new lifestyle and our shared participation in the gospel of grace. Church membership even. Most of you have been attending Lawson for years. This is your church home. And you've heard our appeals for church membership and why it's important. And we've called you to it before. And yet, for some reason, some of you still resist it. We are part of a shared 
salvation experience that is meant to be lived out in shared participation with one another. And membership is today a way in which we don't just keep the lights on and keep ministry going here and keep our tax deduction receipts, receiptability. It's a way for us to say, I'm committed to the gospel of Christ through this local fellowship, and I will commit myself through membership. So grab a welcome card at some point in this morning's service. It's in the pew in front of you. Put your name and phone number on it. Put a check mark beside interested in membership and put it in the offering plate as you leave and we'll connect with you on membership. If you're at home or maybe even here if you want, you could even text membership at 855-485-1617 and we'll connect with you after this. Okay? Let's let our loyalty to our shared salvation be evident by coming to worship when you're able, but by becoming a member also of Lawson Heights Alliance Church. Okay, pastoral rabbit trail over. Got that off my chest. God calls you to own your shared calling with God's people to be free. Galatians 5.13, you, my brothers and sisters, we're called to be free. Now, Paul's call here to a life of freedom is also directed at the Judaizers who were kind of claiming that to live apart from the law puts you at risk to doing bad things. The Judaizers claim that life apart from the law will always lead to self-indulgence. Paul now addresses that. They, they were saying that's why we need the law, to keep those boundaries so that we don't cross over into those indulgences. And that's the fear, isn't it? I think even today. That yeah, we're free in Christ, but just how free does that freedom stretch? If we allow ourselves or others to have too much freedom, aren't, aren't we just going to eventually become too liberal and maybe become self-indulgent ourselves and then end up sinning more. Well, instead of putting up guards, because Paul said to stand firm and don't do that anymore, let's look at our second point. Number two, free people only have one rule to obey. What? Really? That's in the Bible? Yeah, listen. Free people only have one rule to obey. Galatians 5, 13 to 15. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Now, we kind of get hung up on that. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. Well, one rule, one command kind of simplifies everything, doesn't it? Paul gets it. It, it. it is possible for someone to use their freedom that they have in Christ to, as he calls it, indulge the flesh. That's possible. Or even to seek out one's own self-centered desires, if you want to put it in another way. The flesh is particularly selfish living. And as he says later in verse 17, that kind of living is contrary to the Spirit. We need to understand that when Paul uses flesh and spirit, he's not thinking in platonic terms as if the body or anything physical is evil or unspiritual. 
The flesh is the self-centered impulses of the human being to gratify our base, unsanctified desires. That's essentially what the flesh is. And Paul tries to appeal to the Galatians to test the effects of, their go- of the gospel of the Judaizers. He says the gospel that results in self-gratification, indulging of the flesh, is not the true gospel. Paul also tries to appeal to the Judaizers, quoting Leviticus 18, or 19, verse 18, which summarizes the law that the Judaizers were so intent on keeping and enforcing on these new believers. It says in verse 14, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. And this is from the Old Testament. Love your neighbor as yourself. See, the gospel that results in loving service to one's neighbor, that's the effect of the true gospel. And as it relates to the gospel of the Judaizers, their gospel is all about maintaining certain rules and laws like circumcision, Sabbath keeping, and ceremonial cleanliness. And that rule keeping results in building up their own self-righteousness before God. And really, that's in a roundabout way, self-indulgent. So the gospel of the Judaizers doesn't result in love for neighbor. It results in putting a yoke or an added burden on our neighbor in order to gain acceptance by God and to measure up. And that's what legalism still does today when we put these, bound, these boundaries and these barriers and these burdens on people. He's being very clear here that free people only have one rule to live by. Love your neighbor. This isn't his own theology. This is what Jesus claimed as well. One day, after hearing that, the, that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees he, he, with his flawless use of the scriptures, the Pharisees get together, and one of them, who is quoted as an expert in the law, tests Jesus with a question. And he says, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said this, Love the Lord your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Then he adds, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. In other words, you can't have one without the other. Loving God, loving neighbor are a partnership. In other words, these two laws, especially one law, fulfills your entire obedience, obligation to the Lord. And we learn from other Gospels that the Pharisees asking the questions agreed that Jesus was right in his interpretation of the law. There is only one command. Love God, love your neighbor as yourself. And these Judaizers in the book of Galatians, much like the Pharisees and the Sadducees in laying down laws and rules upon the people of God, should have come to the same conclusion, but they didn't. If anyone ever complains to you that Christianity is just a religion full of rules, you can say, "Um, actually, no, there's only one rule. There's only one rule. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. That's it. It's that simple. And that's the proof of the gospel that you believe. Does it result in those things? And that's the gospel that Jesus calls you to live by the grace of Christ. It's an invitation to participate in the shared salvation experience of the love of God and love for neighbor. And that's why the gospel of Jesus is such a freeing gospel. One law. It's that simple.
Thirdly, living free is a simple choice of this or that. Living free is a simple choice of this or that. Think that through for a second. Galatians 5, 16 to 18. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Verse 16, so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Sounds pretty simple, doesn't it? I want you to imagine a fork in the road. Not that kind of fork, actually. Different kind of fork, okay? Next picture, there, that's better. You have choices to make as you walk out your life. Either you take the paths that allow you to gratify the spirit, or you take the paths that allow you to gratify the flesh. It's either this or that. Let's walk around our life network for a moment to see this in action. In your family, for instance. Say you have a conflict in your family, in your home. You have a choice to defend your own interests in that conflict, or to serve your family's best interest. Which is the way of the spirit and which is the way of the flesh? Which will you choose, this or that? What about among your friends? Your your friends are talking about someone that you all like behind their back about how they've always got to be the center of attention all the time. You could join in on that gossip, the criticism, Or you could shut down that gossip and criticism and build up your friend. Which do you think is the way of the spirit? And which do you think is the way of the flesh? It's either this or that. How about at work? At work, you get paid for eight hours a day. But there's nothing really for you to do. You could go home early like others do. No one would know. Or you could clean the restrooms. Or you could shovel the walk and put in an eight-hour day. Which is the way of the spirit and which is the way of the flesh? It's either this or that. It's that simple. What about a church? You know that requests have been made through the bulletin for weeks on a particular activity or, or ministry. You, you really don't have anything else to do. You could, you could sign up for it. Or you could stay home at night and continue to watch Netflix or find something to watch on Amazon Prime. Which do you do? This or that? Or maybe let's get a little more personal. Let's take some of the acts of the sinful nature that Paul pinpoints a little later in the chapter in verse 19. And let's just consider the first three. He says in verse 19, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. Other translations use the word sensuality instead of debauchery. You're faced with some explicit material, for instance, on television or, or maybe even an opportunity for a sexual encounter. You could honor the Lord and flee from it, 
gratify the spirit that way, or you could give in to it. Which is the way of the spirit? Which is the way of the flesh? Which will you choose? This or that? See, friends, when it comes down to it, living free is a simple choice of this or that, of walking in step with the Spirit of God, with what He would want us to do to honor our loyalty to Jesus, or we could give in to temptation and gratify the desires of our flesh. It's that simple, isn't it? It's that simple, but we complicate it because we've refused to be led by the Spirit in the moment. Ultimately, the question is, who's leading you in your day? That's the question you need to settle well before the temptation ever presents itself. You have to decide what you're going to do, what you're, what's going to gratify you more, walking in the Spirit or giving in to the flesh. It's a simple choice of this or that. Remember, Holy Spirit is a person. He can be known, he can be followed, he can be talked to, he can be prayed to, he can be called upon for strength. And he's promised to empower you for Christian life and holiness. You're, you're choosing a person, really, then, instead of a fleshly feeling. Who are you following? It's my conviction that this is why it's so important to spend time with the Lord first thing in the morning. And that's not just a pastoral thing to say. I know it by my own personal experience. That discipline of getting together with the Lord first thing in the morning, it builds spirit muscles in you. By, giving you, by you giving intention to choosing the Lord before anything else in the day, you're building spiritual muscles, spirit muscles to set the standard for the rest of the day. You're training yourself to say yes to the Spirit more than saying yes to the flesh. You're not waking up in the morning as a Christian trying not to sin then. You're rejoicing that you're free by its power. By, free of its power. It's learning to be more conscious of one over the other. Try waking up to this or that scriptures this next week. Like, like these that I'm going to show you in a moment. Try to ponder them through, for the first little bit in the morning. Run them through in your head and over your mind for, for at least 15 minutes and see if it doesn't kind of reprogram your desires. 1 Peter 2, 24. Jesus himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. Romans 6, 11 to 14. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies so that you obey its desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather... Offer yourselves to God. You hear the this or that? Offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but under what? Grace. See, you're not called to live sin conscious. You're called to be spirit conscious. 
You're called to be freedom conscious, love conscious. Those are the effects of the true gospel. You're called to wake up and walk each day conscious of the new reality that he has already, remember last week, he has already made you free for. So that you can walk and live like he did. Walk in the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. If you wake up sin conscious, then you'll spend your whole day taking tests on yourself that God isn't even marking you on anymore. And then you'll start grading yourself. You'll start grading your own scores and and you'll get your identity and your self-worth and your, your acceptance from God based on how you see your own performance before God. That's not right. That makes you even more sin conscious, doesn't it? Yeah? You know what that's like. We all do. That doesn't make you feel gratified, does it? When we talk about ourself, either in that self-talk kind of way that we do throughout the day or, or even to others, do you talk about yourself from a fleshly point of view? Or do you talk about yourself from a spirit point of view? From a freedom point of view? How you used to be before you were, when you were still separated from Christ? Or do you talk about yourself now as one who is free in Christ already? And you know what else? When you learn to walk in the spirit, you'll learn not to judge another person's struggle with the flesh. When you look at the unbelievers in your life network, remember, they are slaves to their fleshly natures. You can't expect unregenerate people to act like spirit-filled people, can you? It's not within their nature. So have a lot of grace. You don't... I don't know if you remember what it was like to be separated from God when you were powerless over your own flesh. Now, what about, the new, what about the believers in your life network? Look at those people. People who are struggling still with their old fleshly nature, like you do sometimes. Instead of judging them, realize that, that their past, they have a past with their old nature that may be more challenging than yours. It's pretty unfair for us to judge someone who struggles with addictions when we've never struggled with addictions, Right? But maybe you have struggles in other areas. Maybe you struggle with lust. Maybe porn is your drug. We all have a few major struggles from our past that keep creeping in on our walk with Christ. But brothers and sisters, remember when we judge ourselves or others by ourselves then we let our human experience speak louder than God's grace. And that's just going to conflict you more and more every day. When you walk with the Spirit, He'll help you see you as He sees you. He'll help you to see other people like He sees them. And you'll respond to them and to yourself in a way that He wants you to respond. He'll help you to see God, all, all that sounds too good to be true, I know, at times, but that's why they call it grace. It's undeserved favor from God, right? 
So we don't have to wake up trying not to sin. We get to wake up enjoying the new me that is in Christ already, that is already paid for, that freedom that's already paid for by the cross of Christ. Hallelujah. So I'm not trying to earn anything. I'm just enjoying it. I'm not trying to fix me. He's already made me new. I'm not trying to pay him back by my good behavior. I'm just responding out of love and appreciation for what God has already done for me. That's how we need to wake up in our mornings. And that's where I get my gratification from. We all need to learn that. I get to walk with the Holy Spirit every minute of every day. And I choose him over gratifying my flesh. Only when we wake up and we walk each day conscious of that new reality that he's already created in us will we be able to live free. So I challenge you to wake up different tomorrow morning with a hand raised to the heavens saying, thank you, Jesus, that I'm free. Thank you, Jesus, that I'm free. And enjoy it. Live in it. Walk in it. So I want you to pause for a moment. And I want you to ask yourself a question. What have you heard Holy Spirit say to you today? What have you heard Holy Spirit say to you personally today? Think about it. I'll give you a second. You online, do this as well. Now let me just put a little bit of a pause button on this again. If you hear a voice saying, that's not for me, that's not Holy Spirit. If you hear a voice saying, that's too good to be true, that's not the Holy Spirit. If you hear a voice saying, God could never accept you, you're different. That's, the, that's not the Holy Spirit. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free already. So stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. What have you heard Holy Spirit say to you today? Make it your intention to wake up to that tomorrow morning, okay? And walk free. Walk in the Spirit. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time in your word again. Lord, this is just one chapter in this entire book. It's just one chapter in the entire Bible. But every line is profound. Every line is true. Every line speaks to us. Now, Holy Spirit, take what you've spoken to each of us personally. Fortify it in our hearts and minds. Help us to wake up to that truth tomorrow. Help us to live free. And help us to let others be free as well. In the exercise of grace. Amen.